1: Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for tuning in to us on TuneIn or SiriusXM. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look at the NFL playoffs. We're gearing for the Super Bowl, and that's why BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs this season. They have the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends only at BetOnline. They've got live betting, free contests, live scores. So what are you waiting for? Head to BetOnline.ag right now, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Believe B L E A only when you use that promo code to receive that special 50 percent reward line where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod uh it's a new year but i got an old friend coming on to this podcast right now to talk all things chicago sports he is the host of sports talk chicago um he is a man who wears many hats and he's here today to hang out with me for the next 30 minutes or so it's john Zaglul. hello john
0: Hey, Joey, great to see you. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Uh, keeping up the great work with the Pob ICD, And it's always fun to visit with you, talking Bears, and just talking everything Chicago sports. lot going on right now, for sure? Um,
1: you know what? The tide might be turning. We've had a very, very, we've had a very <laughs> pathetic depressing uh, run of Chicago sports here over the last year or so. We're still a little bit in the dark with a couple of our franchises, but hopefully a couple of them might be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Before we get into that, though, John, I typically do this at the end of the pod, but I think you deserve to have it at the top of the pod. I want you to tell my audience a little bit about what is going on with Sports Talk Chicago right now. Uh, You know, the growth on the YouTube channel, I want you to plug that. Some of the live hits that you've been doing. I just want you to talk a little bit about some of the content you've been bringing out to your followers so that my audience can check out your content after this episode as well. well joey i really
0: appreciate it coming on at the top of the hour i think i've earned it yes, yeah, really, really bottom <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah anybody can find me on youtube it's fourth talk chicago I'm um, some really cool expansion plans that we've just put into effect here in 2023 so we have our brand new studio it's ours uh fully ours in oakbrook illinois so we record everything from there it's live we're doing play-by-play for Every Bears game, some uh, national NFL playoff games as well. So you can come hang with us on Sundays and watch me do some play-by-play and just hang out for three or four hours as we broadcast the games to you if you can't watch them or if you're in a situation where it's hard to access them on television. Um, so we're going to be continuing to expand on that front. Uh, more programming, more live programming, a couple of reporting sessions per week, putting everything out on the podcast form as well, and then also putting out podcasts in segments So there could be up to 12 to 15 new episodes per week, and if you're more about the bite-sized content, we're there for you now. We're able to edit it, cut it up, and then put it out there. Um, Some expansion plans as well coming up as the summer gets going, potentially a new television partner and even some more radio partners. So stay tuned for that information as the summer gets going and as we get some warmer weather here in Chicago. But for now, uh, yeah, some very exciting stuff on the YouTube video and even audio podcasting side. And I appreciate you letting me plug it. You guys can check it out at Sports Talk Chicago. You search it up anywhere, and uh, you'll be able to find it right away.
1: Yeah, congratulations, John. I've always admired uh, your hard work, your content. Uh, your followers are in the tens of thousands, so why not add, uh, you know, a couple hundred more, hopefully, with my audience <laughs> here today? Uh, so let's uh, let's dive right into it, John. Uh, you know, I want to talk uh, Chicago Bears first, um, but I want to talk about you first with the Chicago Bears. My first one for you is um, are you personally prepared for the next three or four months as an analyst, as someone who is a commentator on sports, because man, uh, the Chicago offseason uh for the bears is probably going to be the biggest in franchise history. So many moving pieces, but let's be honest, you know, you've seen this before. We're going to get a lot of the same narratives over and over and over again. Are you ready for it? Which one is already the narrative that's annoying you the most?
0: I think the whole Lamar Jackson for Justin Fields straight up great <laughs> thing is ridiculous. <laughs> And I'm so sick and tired of seeing it every freaking day on Twitter, Joey. Every day, it's one for one. What would you do? One for one. Is it a good trade? I think it's a shitty trade. I could swear on this. It's a shitty trade. It's a horrible trade. It's a horrible idea. Lamar Jackson is always hurt, begging for a brand-new contract. The Bears don't want to even pay him. If they didn't want to pay Roquan Smith, why are they going to pay Lamar Jackson, who's still in Baltimore? It just—it doesn't make any sense for the Bears to do that when you have Justin Fields, who's proven himself at least to earn a third year, if not a fourth year as well, as the Bears starting QB. I'd rather have Justin Fields, who is not his own, who is not as injury-prone, and who has a lot more left in the tank than somebody like Lamar Jackson, who's also going to be demanding tons of money to pay. It makes no sense for this trade to happen. And I'll tell you, I'm really sick of seeing it. And so many people are pushing for it, and it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't even know why Bears fans would sign up for it. I'd rather have Justin Fields at this point in his career. Younger guy, so much more left ahead of him than somebody like Lamar Jackson, who's been hurt way too many times already, and now demands more money.
1: Yeah, you nailed it on the head there with me with Lamar Jackson. He can't get through a season. Without an ankle injury, a knee injury, it's going on two, three years now since his MVP removed season. Um, yeah, and if you're interested in paying fifty million million three three years before you want to pay Justin Fields the $50 million a year, go right ahead. Um, we talk in the NFL all the time about mileage. And if we're talking about mileage, you basically would be trading a car that probably has, what, 110,000 miles on it for a car right now that has about 20,000 miles on it. I don't get that one at all. That one doesn't make any sense. The other one that really bothers me a lot, the one that annoys me, that obviously will not go away is, should the Bears trade Justin Fields, John? So my question for you is, it isn't so much, should the Bears ju- trade Justin Fields, but for you personally, what would be the knockout, can't say no offer from a team that would actually, as if you're in the general manager seat, actually have you considering and considering Maybe I can't, I can't say no to this. Maybe I should trade Justin Fields and have a different quarterback because of the
0: amount that they're willing to offer. If somebody offered the Bears two first round picks for Justin Fields today, I think I would pull the trigger. I think that's a great offer for Justin Fields. And then the fact that you still have the number one pick, it's not like you're going to be drafting or you're going to be stuck with some backup quarterback or some retread. You could get the best quarterback in this draft class. To replace Fields. So if somebody came to the Bears and said, we want, you know, we're going to give you two first round picks for Justin Fields, maybe even a second or a third rounder for the preceding years moving forward, something along those lines. How could you say no? That's where I stand. I, I like Justin Fields. I think he's had a pretty good year. He's certainly shown that he's deserving of having the starting spot and being with this team, being the franchise guy. But if you're going to be offered two or more first round picks, plus a potential third or fourth, and you have the number one pick and you can draft, the best quarterback in this draft class, to me, it would make perfect sense to make that trade. I don't see any teams lined up to do that, though, and I still think even with that offer, there would be a lot of backlash from fans regardless. So it's probably not going to happen, but if that came to my desk and I was Ryan Foles, I'd jump at that immediately. Yeah, the thing, with,
1: the thing that I'm trying to tell Bears fans is there's some nuance, right, where everything does have a price. Everything has a price that you have to consider. Look, I'm, I don't want to trade Justin Fields. I love the guy. I think he has a high ceiling. And I think the character alone, I think he might be the best leader as a quarterback that we've had since Jim McMahon. Or, I don't know, maybe Jim Miller in 2001. Either one. But you do have to consider, you know, what is best for this franchise moving forward. And I think that we're underselling right now. Once these, once the Super Bowl is over, we start the dust kind of starts settling a little bit. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. There's a guy named Derek Carr who's going to be out there. There is a guy named Tom Brady out there. There's Aaron Rodgers that's going to be out there. I think that, John, don't you think there's going to be some moving pieces to this quarterback carousel a little bit with teams that are going to want a quarterback, need a quarterback, draft a quarterback? I mean, there's a lot to settle before the Bears can even probably understand what the market is for that number one pick and what they do with it moving forward.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, Joe. I mean, you got all these veterans who are going to be looking for new spots. Maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo, another name you could throw into the mix. Maybe Trey Lapp. What's what's San Francisco going to do over there, too? Jordan Love. (laughs) Jordan Love's another. So we we could have eight to ten veteran QBs, guys who are on NFL rosters right now, switch teams. Matt Ryan, another who's 100% going to be a free agent. He may latch on somewhere. Mitch Trubisky, for all we know. There are going to be a lot of names out there. So at that point, you need to find out where all these quarterbacks are going to go, which teams are quarterback needy, and then which teams are going to be targeting somebody in the draft, and who is willing to say, "Hey, I really want Bryce Young. I really want him. I'm not looking for a veteran QB. We want to develop him from the beginning and have him be our franchise guy in a couple of seasons." So when when you look at all those factors and all those situations, then it becomes okay. How much is somebody on an NFL roster right now who's controllable contract wise? How much is he worth? like Justin Fields? We're talking about free agents right now. We're talking about draft picks and draft pieces. So then after all of that starts to settle down, then we have to wonder, okay, here are a couple of teams left. They have a quarterback need. What would they be willing to pay for somebody who could be under team control for two or three more years, very friendly rookie deal? That's an entirely different conversation and an entirely different situation than I'm going to draft somebody or I'm going to sign one of these veteran QBs. So we don't know what Justin Fields' market is, and a lot of it's going to be dictated on what happens with those guys and then what are teams willing to pay for him. So we don't know right now. I think Justin Fields, if we're talking about pure X's and O's, should be worth at least one first-round pick if a team is willing to trade for him. I I don't think you give up a second and a third and get Justin Fields. That doesn't work out. That doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, it's all going to be dictated on the market and dictated on What other teams are quarterback needing, which teams have signed free agents, and which teams are dead set on drafting somebody in this draft?
1: Yeah, and a market that we don't even understand the desperation level, right? Because that is only going to continue to ratchet up as we get closer to this NFL draft. While the carousel of quarterbacks that we're talking about, the music stops, everyone looks around, and the Panthers go, oh, shit. Uh, we still have Sam Darnold, right? You know what I mean? So let's see, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens moving forward. Um, I got a bit of a tandem question for you. So I want to kind of phrase it um, like this, you know, as it stands right now, we haven't done free agency. We haven't done the NFL draft. Um, what is, what is your expectation for the Chicago bears next year? Is it to um, rise? I'm not saying to win the super bowl, but is it to uh, get back a little bit to mediocrity to competitive level? Maybe that's seven to nine win area, or do you still see this as a project that could possibly
0: take one or two more years? If it takes one or two more years, I think it's an abject failure by Ryan Poles. You have $120 plus million dollars in cash space, you have the number one overall pick, you have a real quarterback, you have money to spend, and you have certain guys on your team that you can build around. If his team next year is not at least contending for a wildcard spot, we got a problem. And then the blame bullshit to Ryan Poles. Wondering what the hell he did with all these resources. See, here's the interesting part about this Bears offseason. For once, there are no more excuses. Mm-hmm. We've all made excuses for so many coaches and GMs over the years, and most of them have been warranted, but now there are no more. There's no bad situation. There's no, there's no first round pick. The Bears have literally the number one overall pick, the most cap space in all of football. This is it. This is your moment to shine. So if the Bears next year are not eight and nine, nine and eight, getting into the wild or at least contending, week 17, 18 of the season, I think we got a big problem in Chicago. So if I were Ryan Poles, I'd be shooting for that. If I were Bears fans, I'd be expecting that. Anything less, I think, is a complete failure and a complete waste of golden generational resources that you're getting if you're Ryan Poles and company.
1: And look, you know, John, here here's the thing that I keep, I keep talking to some friends about, and I want Bears fans to just keep this in mind because, look, this is going to be the silver bullet. This is going to be the ammo that I think the Detroit Lions fans, Green Bay Packers fans and Minnesota Vikings fans are going to throw in our face for the next couple of years, which is why I'm with you that I think next year is going to be important. Do you know what Justin Fields' career record is right now? It's 5-21, and 21, John. 5-21. and 21. <laughs> It's 5-21, and 21, and I love the guy to pieces, right? But if you're playing that game, which we like to do, we run that stat during the games of what their career record is. Jay Cutler, very famously, 500 quarterback. It's going to take Justin Fields three or four years just to get back to 500. Thank you, Matt Nagy, by the way, for that. But, I mean, that's the truth, right? And there's an optic to it that obviously there's nuance, and we all know that it isn't necessarily uh, the mark or the reflection of the player. But man, if they, if they go in the tank again next year and they're like, Hey, this is a two-year process. is Justin Fields going to be like nine and 32. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, honestly, like heading into a possible contract year, like, what does that look like? Is that fair to him? So kind of oh, oh wait, weigh in on that. Can you, I mean, they have to do something about that because it's just, it's a number. It is what it is, but it is something that's going to be thrown in his face and our face um, in the subsequent years until we start winning
0: some football games. Well, I'll tell you what, if they're going to be tanking next year like they did this year to that extent, or they're going to be winning just three or four games, I would say, I don't even know if they have confidence in Justin Fields to be the guy. If you're tanking again to try and get another number one or number two pick, and you already passed on a quarterback this draft, I think at that point it would be pretty apparent that there's no confidence in Justin Fields. Now, I doubt that's going to happen. I'd be stunned if they did that. Um, But it is on the table. Uh, yeah, and at that point, I mean, if Justin Fields is going to be like 9-30, and 30, that's ridiculous. And it's it's unfair to him because he's been, for really his whole career, a, a complete tank. It's been a tank since day one. Matt Nagy yeah. and Brian Pace being lame duck GM and head coaches, they bring in somebody new, it's a purposeful tank, and then you do it again next year, it's like, well, this could even get a shot. I would compare him then to Josh Rosen or somebody who just totally got a horrible, unfair shank like Rosen did with the Cardinals. And then now needs a new home, needs a new opportunity. So now I'm with you on that. I would be very disappointed for Fields if they tank next year. But I would also say if they did go that route, it's obviously a vote of no confidence in him. And I think there's no reason to do that. We've seen enough this year to say, okay, he's a competent quarterback. He has stuff to work on, but he's definitely competent. He's not some bust. Let's continue to build around him.
1: Yeah, and I think this coming year is going to be the separator. We talk all the time about we got to get Justin Fields' weapons. We got to get a team around Justin Fields that is interested in winning, um, which I don't think that he's honestly had yet. I mean, at least you can look back and say with Mitch, you know, They loaded up, they got a Khalil Mack, right? And they went for it. They were interested in winning games around a quarterback that was growing. Even with Jay Cutler, they did attempt to bring some guys around him in an attempt to be interested in winning. So my question for you is, and I think I might already have the answer is, um, how far down the draft are you willing to go? You know, how are you willing to, you know, I'm looking at something like, let's just say the Commanders at 16, right? Now the Commanders at 16, if they wanted to move up to the number one pick, John, that's like three number ones. That's a number two. That's a player like Terry McLaurin. I mean, that's a mother load. But again, you're moving yourself out of the blue chip area, which might signal that you're not interested in winning next year. So for you with the Chicago Bears moving down, you know, how
0: far down would you move before you say, eh, we still need a blue chip player here? And I would move as far down as number 32 in round one, because if that's how much you're going to get back for you imagine. the number one pick, I mean, I can't even imagine. Imagine getting three or four first round picks or two firsts, two seconds, and then a third or a seventh, and you add all that in. If you could turn the number one overall pick into seven picks, do it. That that's my philosophy. Because at the end of the day, you could draft based on the best player available, and then you have needs on top of it. The Bears don't just have one need, they have like four or five. That's off the top of my head. You know, you don't know if David Montgomery's coming back. So you might even need a running back certainly need offensive line help, need an edge rusher, need some help when it comes to potentially linebacker, even secondary, and then a force wide receiver. The Bears have polls all over this entire team. So at that point, if you are able to give up the number one and get back five, do it. I think everything should be on the table. Everything should be in consideration, considering you got a lot you need to work with, a lot you need to improve upon. And next year, you're not winning the Super Bowl, nor are there any expectations to do so. Everybody's Willing to be patient enough to say, hey, if you're in the wild card hunt, if you're eight and nine, seven and ten, everything's going to be fine. So you still have some time to fine tune things and understand who's going to be with you and who won't be. This is the time with that number one pick to turn it into seven or five picks if you can and move down a bit. Yeah, the
1: only thing, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm <clears throat> still staying open to it. You know, I do. I co-host uh, Believe in Bears with Corey Wooten, and Corey will move past four. He says that he needs, we need a blue chip player on this team. And my only contention with that is that if you do, let's say we're talking about the deal we're talking about. Let's say it is the commanders at 16. Let's say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 19 no longer have a quarterback and suddenly want to make a huge splash. And they're willing to offer multiple three first round picks, Mike Evans and whatever. I'm just making this stuff up right now. Just keep in mind too, as well, that those first round picks don't have to be future prospects. You can trade pretty much any number one wide receiver in the NFL right now can be traded for a first-round pick. So you can automatically take one of those things and turn that into a proven commodity. Just throwing it out there. Is Cooper Cup going to be in the Los Angeles Rams uh, uniform for you know in two years from now? We don't know that. But that's the idea, is you have that power and that capital to possibly do that moving forward. And man, just you know the possibilities are endless. And I mean, dude, it's really exciting, right? Because we could talk about this all day long, right? I mean, this is a labyrinth of so many different doors that the bears can open up right now and and it's just a real it's it's truly exciting time i want to get your take on another exciting development obviously kevin warren has been named the president of the chicago bears um just weigh in on what you think uh that the hire means um not just uh, kevin warren the person because i think we're all still getting to know him a little bit i mean let's be honest unless you're super plugged in do you really know? Uh, did you really know Kevin Warren was building the stadium four or five years ago? Bears fans, I am going to call bullshit on that. Um, but just talk about what the move means for the organization, putting something like putting something with his pedigree and his resume in place and just what you think it says about the organization as a whole as they move forward with Justin Fields, um, you know, in the
0: future. I think anybody getting rid of Ted Phillips is already a friend of mine. So that's number one. He's going to be gone. That's great news for Bears fans. Everybody should be popping the champagne, being excited for that development. Uh, As far as Kevin Warren goes, really um, great resume. Uh, You know, COO of the Minnesota Vikings for a number of years. Obviously, they're a winning franchise, maybe no Super Bowl, but they're always competitive. Uh, They got the new stadium done and moving under his direction. Got to the Big Ten. Big Ten just got a brand new TV deal, too. Big Ten's going to be on NBC next year. It's a primetime game. They're going to get a primetime game for them. So he's done some good things business wise wherever he's been. He has a lot of experience in the NFL, the NFC North, right here, one of the Bears' rivals, knows how to build a stadium and then also knows how to win. I mean, wherever he's gone, he's won. Uh, the Big Ten has gotten much bigger under his direction. The Vikings were winners under Kevin Warren, uh, whether it be financially or just on the field. He knows what it takes to win. Um, He has a good relationship with Justin Fields now as well on top of it. His Fields played at Ohio State. So there are so many connections. I think the move just made a lot of sense. And again, getting rid of Ted Phillips, that's big news. I mean, that's huge news for Bears fans and people who have been following this team since 1999 at least for Ted Phillips' sake. So uh, there's a lot to like with this. And I think it's only going to benefit the Bears when it comes to finances, when it comes to this new stadium in Arlington Heights, and when it comes to winning, he's going to probably be more willing to let Ryan Poles do what he wants to do and uh, make sure that this team can be competitive in the years to come. Yeah hey, let's
1: pile on man it means that George McCaskey doesn't have to be in front of a microphone that much either I mean the whole right. like I'm learning on the job like the guy I just hired is going to teach me how to do the job and I'm already I'm confused and I'm nauseous and I need to sit down um <laughs> you know I think it's a strong move um We only have so much time. We'll probably do Arlington Heights versus uh, Chicago Soldier Field another day. But honestly, I think it does put them in a position to uh, just have more people in charge that are football oriented in the organization, which I think is really smart. I also think that um, I think that the Chicago Bears and the McCaskey family, I think the McCaskey family will eventually sell the team once the stadium opens up. I think it's positioning itself for that. Um, You know, Virginia, bless her heart, uh, you know you know, I hope that she lives to see the stadium open up, but we don't know that answer. Correct. So, you know, I think that it positions them. And honestly, I think the thing that people are kind of missing out on a little bit is I do think it is an opportunity where, you know, I don't know a bunch about Kevin Warren, but what I've noticed a little bit about Kevin Warren is once that stadium does open up, if it does happen, um, is Kevin Warren going to be the president of the bears for the next 20 years? I'm not so sure. And let's just say Ryan Poles is the guy for the job. You know what better person to learn from about possibly becoming a future president of the chicago bears for ryan poles than kevin warren um and there could be a tutelage and a mentorship going on there that would not have happened in any other stretch of the imagination unless they had put that president in place so um I, you know obviously i think it's a win-win um no matter what and uh you know we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with the stadium uh, moving forward, but I do think it's, uh, I do think it's a huge, uh, I think it's a huge selling point for the Chicago bears. And especially if they do decide to sell in the next five to seven years, um, you know, we got just a couple more minutes here with John Zach glue from sports talk, Chicago. Um, let's talk a little baseball real quick. Who cares? It's January, baby. I'll, I'll talk baseball all day long. Um, Me too. I, uh, I don't want to pit the two teams against each other just yet, uh, but you know, I just want to get, what's your, um what's your first blush thoughts on what the Chicago Cubs have done this off season, um, I don't want to call it a flurry moves, but they have made some uh, significant uh, additions to their team. Um, you know, where do you kind of put them right now in the pecking order of the NL Central?
0: Yeah, I think they're spending money and it's a good thing. I think they're trying to become competitive again. There's obviously a mandate from the Ricketts family, which is unbelievable, that they're actually going to spend money. Uh, same with Jed Boyer making some true decisions, some good moves. I love their starting rotation. I always have. Last year, I thought it really turned down the second half. All these guys are young and still somewhat controllable. I think the starting rotation is going to be key. Uh, Nico Horner is going to be coming back at full strength, and he did good last year in the limited time that he had while he was hurt. Um, The Dansby Swanson move, I'm a little bit weary about. Um, Now, I like Dansby Swanson. I think he's a pretty quality player, but I do caution Cubs fans just to remember that his career batting average is right around 250. Let's not sit here and pretend that he's going to hit 280 every year, put up 25 home runs, and have 100 RBIs on a seven-year deal worth $180 million. It's just not going to happen. So is Dansby Swanson going to be this superstar? Is Dansby Swanson going to make the Cubs a division winner, wild card contender? Probably not. So then the question becomes, is he worth the money they're going to pay him? And only time will tell on that. So I would be very cautious about, the whole Dansby Swanson stuff. It's nice. The Cubs are spending money and it's great to see him roll around $180 million like it's nothing. But was Dansby the right, the right guy to pay that to? And I'm just saying I would be very cautious about that. I know Dansby Swanson. I've seen his entire career and his trajectory. It's gotten better, but those averages are still there. He will regress at some point and Cubs fans have to be prepared for that. Uh, but overall, it's nice to see them spend money. I think next year they're going to be contending for the NL wildcard spots that are going to be available. I'd say maybe 85 wins. They'll be in it to the last day type thing. Maybe they'll squeak themselves in. And you know what? For a team that a couple of years ago blew it all up very recently, I think that's a great development. I think they're on the right path. I think you know maybe in two years we could talk about World Series or NLCS and heightened expectations. But for this year, if they're contending for a wildcard spot in September, I think that's a huge success for them considering they're going to be spending money and uh, guys are still going to develop for this team too. They still have developmental pieces like Matt Mervis, who's going to be probably a big part of this team. There's going to be an opportunity for a lot of these younger guys who are in AAA, killing it down there to come up and uh, really develop here in 2023. I
1: totally agree with you on the win total. 84-85 is definitely like right, right in that range. I feel like that's uh, very, very achievable. I find it really funny that, um, you know, you could do this every year, Cubs fans, just letting the Ricketts family know that, you know, you can go out like the Boston Red Sox and sign a couple of veterans for one to two year deals and kind of put together a team that is professional. That's going to show up every single day. Isn't going to wow. You doesn't have probably have a ton of power, but you know, they probably could have done this like a year or two ago. They didn't really have to bottom out. Like, are we really going to be, you know, is it getting to the top of the MLB draft really that worth it? No, they were just saving money the whole time. Like, So don't believe in that narrative that they weren't ready to spend. Uh, The Chicago Cubs are ready to spend every single season whenever they want to, and they're showing you that they're doing it right now. Um, In terms of Dansby Swanson, uh, look, man, I agree with you. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great defensive player. Um, I think all of us at the beginning of the offseason had him at, at the very bottom of our shortstop rankings of people that we probably should have acquired And i understand that we spent 180 million dollars on him and everyone else is getting 300 million so you're saying wow what a bargain but look man that's that's the that's the trade in life though and that's the cost certainty think about it like a tv or something you know what i mean you go out and buy this beautiful big plasma tv and you say you know what i'm gonna go out and buy the off brand one and you know it craps out in eight or ten months you know instead of maybe buying and a couple extra you know thousands of dollars or whatever to make sure that the tv is pretty awesome I see stuff on Twitter, John, where it says Danzy Swanson is going to be our cleanup hitter this year. Stop yourself. <laughs> Stop yourself right Clean now. Here. Does anybody Clean know hitter.
0: who Danzy Swanson is? Do you follow <laughs> the a... game of freaking baseball? That's I, know
1: basically they, <laughs> I know they look at it and they say, oh, wow, he had 20-plus home runs. He could be our cleanup hitter. Like, honestly, guys, listen to me very carefully. Maybe he's a two-hitter, but honestly, he strikes out so much that he's probably more like, what, John, 6'7"? A six, seven, eight hitter, um, a guy that might come up with a big base hit when you need it. I think he will be clutch, but man, if you're counting on him to carry you offensively this season and the seasons afterwards, I think you're highly mistaken. This guy needs to be the third or fourth best offensive player in your lineup at best, John.
0: At best, he's a two hundred and fifty career hitter. So the and that's a second baseman, you know, middle infielder, shortstop guy. He is not going to be a cleanup hitter. He's he's never even barely even hit thirty home runs in a season. Yep. So Cubs fans have to stop drinking the Kool-Aid. And they do this every year. Media and you have talked about this for years now. Cubs fans have to stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Dan Speed Swanson is a nice player, been around for a long time. You know, you could actually call him a bust if you wanted to. He was the top pick in the MLB draft, and he's a two fifty career hitter. He's the a first, decent player. For the first
1: three years, he was he was a bust, yeah. John. He was. he was. He turned it around. Good. To, good for him. But I mean,
0: exactly. I, I think everybody's way overdoing it, overhyping it because the Cubs have spent so little money over the past couple of years that some of these fans are just so starved for something, and they're putting all this money into Dansby, and people are going to go crazy. Look, he's going to hit two fifty with twenty two home runs and maybe seventy RBIs. That's nice, but that is not cleanup hitter worthy. It's not even worthy for his contract that they're going to pay him. So I'm just saying that right now. And, John, this isn't fair, right? But
1: is this not the same story we went through with Jason Hayward? Yeah, uh, A, hi- a high-up prospect who came on the scene and then struggled, and then he got it together the last couple of years, and we're paying him money because he's a gold-glove guy with a, a offensive ceiling that we haven't quite seen yet. And he's a great dude. And I, I don't want to set a bad expectation for Dan's response because I know Cubs fans give Jason sure. Hayward – the hardest time possible. And I do think he will be better than him offensively, because if you just look at their swings, Jason Hayward's swing was never meant to stand up over a full season. I mean, it's just, it, it's not consistent. You know what I mean? It, it had this huge loop in it and a problem. I think Dansby Swanson's swing is better, but man, this is kind of the same story, John. And i just kind of worried that we're building this guy up too much for this huge fall. When I just want him to be a piece
0: on a winning team and not a savior exactly i fully agree with you and i i actually said that a couple of weeks ago so i can't believe that's why i pointed at you i couldn't believe nice. he said it because i haven't heard anybody else say that it's eerily similar to jason hayward big contract seven eight years 180 million dollars big name re- relatively speaking jason hayward had a decent name behind him when he came there yeah. from the uh, from the cardinals hit 293 the year before best banning average he's ever recorded his entire career And then obviously he snuck it up here in Chicago. Now, I don't think Dansby Swanson is going to go down to like 220 or do what Jason Hayward did. But I'll tell you, I mean, I could guarantee it to you right now, he's not going to live up to what Cubs fans expect today. And he's not going to live up to the price tag the Cubs are going to pay him from year to year. He'll be a nice Mm -hmm. piece, good, you know, solid guy in the middle of your infield who is reliable. He's going to play 150 games, probably hit around 250 with 20 home runs. That's nice, and I'm okay with that. But the price tag the Cubs put on him, is going to set unrealistic expectations that in a year or so are going to make me and you say it's a bad signing. When in reality, it's not that it's a bad signing, but the price tag that the Cubs paid for him is too much. So the expectations are going to be through the roof. And when he does what he usually does each and every year, I think some people are going to be disappointed.
1: Yeah. And that's why I just, you know, Trey Turner for eleven three hundred. I mean, I just think it's a better deal. I don't know, whatever. I got to get you out of here on, I got to get you out of here this real quick on the South side. My final thought is, you know, with the Chicago Cubs on a positive note, I do think they're going to be fantastic defensively. Uh, That's been covered by many people. I do think that's a highly underrated sport uh, aspect of baseball, especially when you play 162 games, those couple outs here and there to get you out of some innings, that double play that helps keep the game close. I think that's huge. That's going to help the Cubs out a lot. So let's move over to the South side. Uh, where defense has not been their hallmark the last couple of years. Um, you know, they bring in Clevenger. They signed Benintendi. Um, the awful news that, that we're, we're thinking and rooting for Liam Hendricks with his situation right now. Um, over under 84 wins right now for this White Sox team.
0: I would say over. Um, I yeah. love the Andrew Benintendi signing. I think that's one of the best signings in all of baseball this offseason. Bargain signing, five years, you know, $75, $80 million. And Andrew Benintendi has been consistent his entire career. Always right. been a good player. And last year hit 304 Maybe had a little bit of a power outage, but 304 in the major leagues last year is actually unbelievable. He was top 10 in all the American league in batting efforts. So the guy can hit the baseball very well. Usually 15 to 25 home runs a year. Now you're going to be playing at, you know, U.S. cellular Guaranteed right field as a lefty. He's probably going to get a lot of uh, short porch home runs out there in right field. So that's exciting. Uh, the Liam Hendricks Hendrick situation, I just hope he's going to be okay. Uh, Clevenger. I love that move, too. Nice bargain hunting deal. One year, $9 million. Clevenger was elite with the Guardians from 2016 to 2020. Had the surgery last year. was about the average. I think he's going to bounce back in a big way. Got Dylan Cease, who's ready to go, and he said, I want to pitch 200 innings. I mean, there are good pieces on this team. The problem was nobody executed last year at all. The players were the same. The players are going to be the same for the most part this year, but execution is the problem. So the question is, can Pedro Raful get the most out of these guys? Can there be less controversy with Tony La Russa gone, less off-the-field distractions, less pundits, less everybody talking, mm-hmm. and more focus on the on-the-field product? And I think if the White Sox can do that, they're easily going to be a wild-card team. If not, win this division. There's no reason why they can't do it. They have similar, the same roster almost from 2020 and 2021. So the question is, can they execute as a team and that's something we're going to have to watch
1: out for this season. Yeah, execute as a team. I definitely think the talent is there. You know, when you lose a guy like Jose Abreu, when you have a guy like Liam Hendricks going through what he's going through
0: right now. <laughs> right.
1: You mentioned Pedro Graffal. I think the leadership on the White Sox is also going to be crucial this year because, you know, I look, I love Tim Anderson. I just don't think there's a lot of guys in that team that look to him as a leader. I think that's okay. Let your you know let your leadership speak on the field. But grafal has got to really rally those guys, and I think they sorely missed that last year uh, with Tony Larusa at the helm. So hopefully they get a chance um, to do that. And we'll talk more about it as uh, as the offseason goes along. Because it's only January. John Zaglul from Sports Talk Chicago. We got to get you out of here. Toss out your socials, uh, plug your show one more time, my friend. Uh, So great to see you again. Thank you so much for taking the time.
0: Um, Congratulations on your new opportunity, and I can't wait to do it again soon. Yeah, thank you so much, Joey. Uh, You guys can follow me at John Z Sports and then subscribe to the YouTube channel, Sports Talk Chicago. This video is going to be up there, too, so we'll make sure to do some cross-promotion, cross-platform, all that good stuff. But, Joey, hey, man, always a pleasure. I love coming on your show. I love breaking it down with you. And uh, looking forward to catching up here, especially as the baseball season starts to heat up and as this crazy NFL offseason gets underway as well. Ah, the
1: endless amount of storylines. Let them flow down like a rainfall uh, from the top of a mountain. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, John. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago was presented by BetOnline.ag. NFL Playoff Super Bowl coming up. 50% welcome bonus when you go to BetOnline.ag and use promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V. Thank you so much for tuning into this, this episode. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Thank you so much for checking us out. We'll be back soon. Until then, remember, when in doubt, always, Bet on Chicago. Do you believe...